Welcome to Win with Richardson and Richardson. What's important now? Success in business most often comes down to hard work, not by silver bullets and quick fixes. It's knowing where to focus that hard work that's key to winning. Join sales prospecting expert and three-time seven-figure business founder, Carrie Richardson, and managing partner of R&R Consulting and former owner of Doberman Technologies, Ian Richardson, for radical honesty regarding strategic planning, accountability, and execution that will get you the systematic results you're working toward. Let's get into today's episode. Thought leader and your host, Carrie Richardson. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Carrie Richardson. I'm a partner at Richardson and Richardson, and I'm your host of Win today. With me today is Scott Dagger, who is the CEO of Buddy Web Design and Development in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thanks for joining us today, Scott. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Uh, tell us how Buddy Web Design and Development started. So my background, I'm from Wisconsin originally. Went to undergrad and got my MBA at Wisconsin at the university there. And my career is really business heavy, startups, technology development, innovation, that sort of thing. So what brought me to Grand Rapids is back in 2009, I got recruited to work for a big healthcare system here in West Michigan, and I led up their innovations program. So I moved to Michigan and worked with that program and that team for almost a decade. And that was working on new med device technologies and apps and software for healthcare. We all reach a point where what's next growth wise. And for me, where my head was, is I had a lot of experience in business leadership roles and operations and technology development, but that role at Spectrum was super niche. It wasn't like I could just go across the block and take a VP role. So my thought process was more of an IT career track. Maybe that makes the most sense to double down in some sort of technology space. And I thought, while I've got a job that's paying a salary, why don't I learn to code? I had project management and those other software skills, but never really formally learned the coding. So I hopped on Udemy, the learning training website, and, and took a bunch of courses on HTML and CSS and React and Node and really nerded out with it and found I actually really liked it, the technical, more scientific side of things. But the creative outlet was really fun also and gravitated towards web development. After about six months of learning, I found Upwork, the freelancing website, and just thought, why don't I give this a whirl? And was able to land a couple projects right away. Back then, I still was learning, but because of my business background, the sales was easier than I thought it would be. I thought I was going to go into these calls and get grilled on all sorts of technical nuances and security and that kind of stuff. And really, it was just talking with business owners about what they needed. And I could translate that into a web website or, or what they needed also. After landing a couple of gigs, it just was at a point life-wise, work-wise, I was ready for a change. And my wife gave me the okay. So I left my job uh, with the intent to just try freelancing. And our agreement uh, was if it works out, great. If not, let's get our job. And that was almost four and a half years ago. So yeah, Buddy started out with just me, myself, and I, and has grown since. Now we've got a team of uh, developers and designers all bring in our projects, quality assurance, project management. So it's evolved from just dabbling to an actual like real live growing business. So it's been pretty cool. What's your favorite part of running the business? You mentioned that you have a, an MBA. Do you consider yourself more of a business person? Are you more of a creative person or do you enjoy the technical work? Yeah, I'd say definitely the business owner. I like having my hands on a lot of the things. I like business operations. I like doing the sales calls. I like doing the HR side of things. I like working with our developers on projects. 
But what I, I love the most is just the independence and be able to grow something. It's a team effort and Buddy would not be anywhere near as successful as it is today without us being able to bring together a team of, of really talented, just good people. But being able to work in that sort of environment really is important to me and it adds a lot of value to my life. And I think a lot of freelancers or entrepreneurs can relate to that too, where you want to be in control of your destiny and not day-to-day driving into the office feeling, okay, I'm investing a lot of mental energy and, and time to make somebody else wealthy and those sort of things too. It just grinds at you away when you've got that kind of drive to do something of your own. So when you worked with the health system previously, was that in a managerial role? Did that prepare you to manage projects and people? Yeah, that was a manager position. So I did have a team that reported to me. I've done lots of different startups, been lots of different teams, been in different leadership capacities as well, too. So I think in that role, that was very healthcare specific. So joining Spectrum Health, like, holy cow, that was a drink from the fire hose of just learning about gosh, anatomy and procedures and different departments in the hospital and how it all fits together and that kind of stuff. And then actually exploring and developing technologies that could be used in that space. So that was definitely uh, a big learning just in the healthcare industry as well. And, and some of the challenges and opportunities they face as well too. It was a good chance to learn a lot about technology platforms and, and project management tools and things like that. And a lot of those operational things, especially that we used in that role, I was able to then apply it and used to kind of scale up Buddy's operations in a really efficient way. So you had some experience managing people already. It wasn't a big shock to your system to come in and uh, now have to assign projects and roles to people. You mentioned that you liked business development and you anticipated that it was going to be more challenging than you thought. Can you tell me what your approach is like? How do you go about finding new business for Buddy? Yeah, we can talk both prospecting and then kind of sales approach to prospecting. We were chatting before we started the podcast recording. It's really planting a lot of seeds in different places. Where I first started was Upwork, the freelancing platform. And I've weaned off that over time. I still check in once in a while and apply to some jobs and that sort of thing. Upwork is a great platform. I, I found, at least in my experience, when you're just getting started, but it is used really widely. So costs and your pricing is really under a lot of pressure because a lot of folks there, um, generalizing here, which I know isn't always correct, but my experience, it seems like really whoever's lowest cost gets an advantage. So we're no longer cheap. We aren't the most expensive, but we're more in the middle where we do good work. We offer good customer service. If you're looking for a hundred dollar website, like that's not the best fit for us. I've used a lot of LinkedIn outreach to grow also SEO. I'm working currently on building out some marketing infrastructure for opt-in email marketing. But really in the last year, what's been really cool is our referrals and repeat customers are really starting to blossom too. So I've been doing this for, I think about four and a half years now. And we're at a point where we've got enough of, I'll say nest egg for lack of a better term of prior clients that now want additional work or are ready for modifications or referring a friend or colleague where that's starting to become pretty self-sustaining of itself as well too. We've got a good clump of business there. And then those extra things, that proactive outreach, proactive marketing are just icing on top. I'm really grateful to be at that point marketing-wise right now. Are you the primary business developer or did you find somebody that was really great at that? The timing is good for that question. Earlier on with Buddy, I had used Indeed, the jobs website, and Mm -hmm. posted some jobs there just for freelance contractor sales help. And did find a handful of folks. Some people worked out well, some people just didn't. I don't know Indeed's algorithm or their rules for posting, but it seems like around when COVID hit, they changed their model and you had to then pay for postings. I I had 
prior posted like just bunches of free job postings on Indeed to try to find folks. And that worked great. Then I got away from that. And now it looks like I'm able to, again, post stuff. So I've been, I've been back in the business of trying to find more. So I do think there's some value that, you know, in, in finding some extra folks and making it a win where they can bring in leads, offer a, a nice commission for that. So that's one more tool and toolbox to, to plant seeds and build relationships. So are you working with commission-based business developers in your local area? Nationwide, actually. Fortunately, we're all remote. So all of our team members are all over the country. Probably half of our business is in Michigan, where we're based. But their half is all over the country. So the way usually I'll structure those relationships with the contractors is, hey, like you work whatever hours make sense for you, your time, that kind of stuff. And we'll just structure compensation. Whereas when a project comes in and closes, we'll just share the revenue. And usually we will bill our clients on like thirds. So like a third up front, a third of the midpoint, a third when it's done. I'll tie just for cash flows, those commission payments along with those. So when money comes in, money gets paid out, that sort of thing. That's worked pretty well for us. It's been a good strategy and I'm looking to grow that again, as long as I'm able to keep posting those jobs in an effective way. I just did the math on that because in my mind, 2020 was last year and it's been last year for four years now. Did you start, buddy, right before the pandemic hit? I think it was 2019, right before I left and there was a few months of work, then COVID hit. And our daughter at that point was uh, either four or five, she was still doing like daycare day to day. And when COVID hit, we made the decision in March of that year to just bring her home since I was home. After about six months of, of flying solo at home, I then was trying to grow the business and, and be dad during COVID. And then she started kindergarten. So we did kindergarten at home together and just had the very typical COVID experience like a lot of parents did also. But man, really glad to have some normalcy on that regard. Again, everyone's back where they need to be in school and focusing on work and that kind of stuff. You didn't teach her how to code while you had her at home? No, but I'm really proud. I helped her learn how to read and ride a bike and that kind of stuff. So it was some silver linings of COVID being able to be home and help with some of those milestones and that kind of stuff. But holy cow, I don't know about your experience during COVID too, but that was a lot more work helping teach kids when they were doing virtual school than I ever would have imagined, for sure. Both of my children were in Canada during the pandemic. There was two weeks of quarantine on either side of the border. So a visit meant a month of quarantine. So oh it was unfortunate that I didn't get to see them for quite a bit during the pandemic, but I also didn't have to homeschool anybody during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for the people that did have to do that. What was the what was the biggest challenge for your business through the pandemic? Did you see any client loss or did you have a big boom? Yeah, it just was get through it, honestly, because that was still really early in, you know, foundation. So at that I scraped together what clients I could from Upwork primarily and then grow the business as best I could while trying to juggle home life and parenting and teaching and that kind of stuff also too. So it was, I think the year on year metric was higher in year two than year one, which is good, but it wasn't like I was giving it the full court press like I would have wanted to. Around that time though, is when my mind shifted of how to scale up the business more, which kind of led to the model we have now where when I started, it was me doing sales and development design, like everything by myself. And with some limited bandwidth because of COVID, I started thinking about how do I scale this up a little bit and thought that with my business background, that's where my strengths are. And like, that's where my comfort zone is day to day in the business operations. When it comes to web design development, I've done fine, but I haven't done this for 20 years. There are people that are just really good. I'm not to that level. So my thought was, could I focus on sales and marketing and then bring in some team members to really champion doing a great job? So I then at that point during COVID started to, to find designers, developers to bring in under the buddy umbrella 
And that's really been our model since where we have a, a network of contractors, but we work together as a team to do what we do and offer good service. So that really was a big shift. You had mentioned that you had some experience with startups before you came to Michigan to work with the health system. Was it a, a huge difference between working on building someone else's business with the experience that you had and the education that you had versus applying it to your own business? Did you ever catch yourself thinking, wait a minute, I know better than this? Yeah. So I've done my own startups. Some did okay. A lot of those didn't pan out. That's <laughs> being around other entrepreneur startups, you still learn the same lesson. But I think it's always more fun when you've got skin in the game as opposed to working for somebody else. But that's just me. That's how I'm wired. I was really mindful uh, in starting Buddy was thinking about what's an industry where there's already demand. <laughs> Having done so many startups before where you've got what you think is some novel solution, but people aren't begging for it. You've really got to educate and find folks and say, hey, here's my, my better mousetrap. Here's why it's better. Here's why your current solution should be a pain point for you, that sort of stuff. But buddy, like people already are looking for help with websites and design and those SEO. So it doesn't make it easy, but it makes it less hard, at least where people uh, get what you're offering, have value in it. So that was probably the biggest lesson of just trying to be in a space or industry or offer a service where there's already demand versus going against the flow. So a lower education cycle. Do you work with businesses that are starting up that don't have a web presence at all? Or are you more inclined to work with organizations where they're, let's say, growing up or growing into a, a more robust requirement for their web presence? More of the latter nowadays. When I first started, our projects were pretty small budget-wise. Usually folks that were just getting their first website, kind of like the, I need something. It doesn't have to be fancy, but just like, I need a site. Now, when we are working with entrepreneurs or new businesses, usually they have more of an established budget where they're like, okay, we, we are a new business, but like we need a good site out of the gate. And we know that's not the $100 website. So those are maybe a quarter of our clients, but probably three quarters are more established businesses. They're local businesses. They've been around for a lot of years. They've got clients, they've got revenue, they've got a budget for marketing, but not their own internal web team. Those are the businesses that are usually more our, our clients and our bread and butter. What do you see happening in the next five years with AI? Yeah. Um, what is going to happen with your industry as AI evolves and develops and becomes more dominant? That's the million dollar question right now too. So a social network I, I like is Reddit and I'm, I'm on there once in a while. And I saw a discussion a few months ago and granted, even in a few months, there's been a lot of developments with, with the AI and the videos and things like that. But Someone at that point was talking about using AI for graphic design specifically and, and basically made the point in short that while AI could generate the, the thing, like the deliverable, the brochure, AI so far isn't going to be able to take a client that doesn't know what they want and translate that into something else that, too, that, that human connection and that translating, like what they have in their brain. Maybe at some point we'll close that gap and, and get closer there too. I think from my reference points, and I am no way going to say I'm an AI visionary expert, those sort of things. It seems like what we're seeing so far is like content generation, AI suggesting page titles or paragraphs. So there are more templates and tools that will give you a layout, but it seems like even with those tools, there will still be a need, at least in the short term, for what I'll call translators, for lack of a better term, of translating what a client says they want versus what actually makes sense. Even in sales conversations, there are so many levers to pull as far as what someone might have in their mind for the website versus what makes sense budget-wise. And how do you close that gap? If you're saying, hey, I want, you know, I'm thinking of a 20-page website and my budget is $1,000, like that's 
probably not going to happen. So where can you shift and consolidate and that kind of stuff or phase things out? So I think there's still going to be that sort of role. It's just, I think the tools will get smarter as well, but it's interesting time. And I think it'll be, I think probably like a lot of folks were really curious just to see what's going to happen also too, but that's my take as of February, 2024. And I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> Timestamp. <laughs> we'll talk in a year and see what happened. <laughs> I'm interested in knowing whether or not AI is going to cause pushback on pricing. When I think about perhaps working with my lawyer, for example, who charges a significant amount hourly. If I suspect mm-hmm. that my lawyer is just feeding things through AI, am I going to be willing to spend the same kind of money that I used to be willing to spend on that service? I think the same will go for marketing. If I suspect that mm-hmm. my marketing firm is doing everything using an assisted system, am I going to be okay paying the prices that I paid last year? It's it's interesting. I think just And this probably goes for any service, but in the web development space, graphic design too, just perceptions of what things should cost versus what they cost too. And I I know from prior experience, like getting quotes for websites and it's just like, holy cow, like that dollar amount is crazy. But there are some big businesses that will spend a lot of money and Buddy doesn't play in that space right now. But I think part of it was just people's perception of, oh, you should be able to knock this out really quick. This is really easy. So why does it cost that much? When you're talking to a business owner, it's like their checkbook, their money, like absolutely. I think we all relate to that and, and being more money conscious. But when you're with a bigger organization and there's just more money allocated and you also realize how many things are in your plate, that's like a marketing manager bringing somebody in that can do a really good job. Like that's more of a no brainer. Okay. I've got the budget allocation for it. I know you guys are going to do a great job. You're going to take care of all these things for me. That's definitely worth it too. But I, but I think you're right. Just as far as people's perceptions and how technology influences that and makes folks think things should be cheaper and maybe it should be and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of variables there. Be interested in seeing how it affects creatives moving forward. I haven't actually seen any of the new AI video. I, I've actually been pretty busy and I get sucked into stuff like that real easy. Yeah. I can't go I can't go over there right now, but I assume it's pretty cool because everyone's posting about it. What do you see as the biggest opportunity for your business in the next one to three years? Yeah, I think for Buddy, there's two different things in my mind. One, because Buddy's just scaling up. We've got good operations. We've got a good team. Like when projects come in, we can knock them out. We're organized. So I think part of it is just trying to pour gas in the fire and just ramp this up externally. Like there are all these other changes also too. So while I want to put the foot on the gas pedal for our current model, is that sustainable for five years? Is the landscape going to shift? So it's funny how it's doubled down, really built on what we currently have, but also mindful of what's the world going to be like in a year or five years. One lesson I've seen a lot is entrepreneurs that start something get a little bit of traction, then they're like, oh, I can also do this and this. And they just mentally start getting really spread thin and trying to conquer the world. Nope. Stay in your lane, grow this, <laughs> be patient. So there's part of that for me too, where our bread and butter right now is web design development. And we do some graphic design work, like logos, branding, that kind of stuff. But for me also, how can we help out more in SEO and also just more broad marketing, this paradox of how to stay in our lane and grow that, stay true to who we are but also really mindful that out in the periphery, there's lots of changes that are going to make things drastically different than they are now. Do you follow a formal strategic planning process or do you subscribe to one of the the sales methodologies that are widely used? Not in a real deliberate sort of way. I think it's more organic for me also, despite having gone to a lot of school for business strategy and lots of management classes and things like that. I haven't done a SWOT analysis on Buddy for like forever. There's continual reflection on operations and what's working well. 
quarterly basis, like, you know, uh, informal review, just how things are going. I would say probably not in like the very academic way that you know you learn in business school or those sort of things. Do you feel like having an MBA has benefited you to be able to be more patient or to make choices differently? And when you mm-hmm. compare yourself to, say, a peer in the same business that likes started building websites and then had to get all of their business education the hard and expensive way by mm-hmm. making lots of errors. Yeah, so that's a really good question. I did the MBA at Wisconsin back in 2005, 2007. And the way Wisconsin is set up, or at least was at that point, was there wasn't like one general MBA. You'd pick one of, I think, 13 concentrations. So I did the entrepreneurship tracks. Like the first year was more general MBA, and then you did more and more in that focus. And a very good experience overall. Staff was wonderful. Just I'm, I'm really glad I did it. Even more than the book learning, what I think was helpful was more being exposed to other entrepreneurs who've been there and done that. And just realizing these people are really talented, but there's no reason I can't do that also. And I think getting over those mental hurdles, these people still put their pants on one leg at a time, like that kind of thing, was probably the biggest shift. Does it make starting a business easy? Absolutely not. <laughs> but it, it, I think so those mind, mind shift, mindset shifts, I think were really helpful too. But you do learn the academic things, how to think through things, how to value things, how to do financial projections the right way. Granted, I've probably forgotten 95% of those mechanics and those sort of things. I remember at the time they advertised the program as being a transformational experience. And it's hard to know what that means going into a program like that, thinking, what is that? Is that just marketing speak? But I think it really was because you, for me at least, identify yourself differently. So it's funny, like having that MBA, I can play that card if I need to, if it's important to be like, I've got an MBA, but day to day, it's more make good decisions, being mindful of cash flows. That's a huge thing. Building relationships, being a good partner, under promising, over delivering, like those sort of things. You learn from being around and molding your values, but I would attribute that to, to book learning per se, if that makes sense. That's a, a tactful, but like accurate answer. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm always curious about that. I didn't go to school at all. So I didn't have a lot of basis on which to grow my business other than like one of those, what the hell am I going to do now kind of stories. Yeah. So. And it's interesting to think about now too, like just with virtual schools and that kind of stuff. And I, despite having gone to school formally for business, like I learned a lot of tech stuff through Udemy over the last few years, and that cost me like 200 bucks for a bunch of courses. And it's just interesting thinking about how in a decade, kids going to college, what will that look like? I really value that sort of educational environment, but what role will that play? And what's the cost going to be compared to just tech learning and that kind of stuff too? So it's just as, as a side topic, just interesting how what skills are valuable, where do you learn those and what sort of context and that kind of stuff. And I think I'll always be a proponent of learn, but if I had to do it over again, would I do the MBA? Probably, but I I wish I would have had more formal training in technology. All right. So last question, if a business is looking at creating a new web presence, what are the most important things that they should ask a company that they're considering partnering with? First off, it's good to first get a sense of what you're looking for. Do you need e-commerce or not? What pages should be on the site? Do you have a visual style and that sort of stuff? And once you at least know what you're looking for, that will help you vet out developers. For example, if you Google developers in your area or ask for referrals or things like that, I think knowing those things will let you uh, peruse through their portfolios and say, hey, do I like their aesthetic style? Do they have similar sites where I feel confident what they're going to do? But I think from there, then really it's just hopping on the phone call and making sure you've got a good rapport with them. 
And hopefully you see that they've got some good testimonials or referrals or other folks that can vouch for that developer also too. Really, even though if you're looking for a website, or you're looking to this person to like champion it for you, it very much is a partnership. No one's going to know your business as well as you do. The developer will know the tech side and the design side, but really it's a back and forth partnership. So you've got to really have someone you trust and feel good about that you can communicate well with and, and work together for a month, three months, six months, whatever that duration is, and then hopefully longer term also. So if anything needs to be changed, you've hopefully got somebody you can rely on and feel good about. Is it kosher to collect a bunch of websites that you like and say, hey, can you make me something that looks like this? Or is no bueno when it comes to other people's work? That's muy bueno. That's really helpful too. One of the things we ask right away is, are there other websites either from your competitors or just sites in general you like to look and feel of? And literally in our kickoff call, once we sign our agreements and say, yep, we're going to do this. We'll have a kickoff call together where we'll talk through those and, and churn through what is it you like about it? Is the general looks? Do you like the navigation menu? Do you like the way the text is? Do you like photos? Those sort of things too. One thing that can be overwhelming is feeling like you've got this blank slate and I don't even know where to start. You don't need to start from scratch. The easiest starting point is finding things you like and then just either by yourself or with a professional talking through what is it about those you like. And if you got a talented developer or designer, you can that person can extract what you're saying and, and craft it as something that's going to really uh, mesh well with what those sites have in common, what you like, those sort of things. So that's a really good question. So you'd be able to almost see a thread that goes through the similarities between the four websites that I like. Yep. And ideally, if you go through those first steps where you know, as you look through a prospective developer's portfolio, you like their stuff, then yeah, all those things should align really well. At least on paper, those should align really well. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with us today, Scott. It was uh, wonderful talking to you. It's always nice to have uh, a Michigander on the podcast. And uh, we will look forward to checking in with you a year from now or so, Scott. And we'll see if your AI predictions came through. We'll see. It's going to be interesting no matter what. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to Win with Richardson and Richardson. What's important now? We're so glad you've joined us and know you're one step closer to winning big in your business too. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to connect at rnr.consulting. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you'll easily know when new episodes are available. Until next time, you can win and we're here to help.